hang on a second. Does this mean that the reason I have allergies yes, is because exactly. male trees are trying to impregnate me through my sinuses? You, they're basically, they're, they're we're walking around, they're trying to jizz all over us. That's, and it's, it's making us sneeze. Well, that bit is going to be the cold open for the episode. Bureaucracy's basement to your ears. This is the weekly meeting of the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Each week, the dedicated staff of the Bureau meet to file recommendations, make reports, and keep themselves hydrated by drinking water from the pipe that drips from the boiler room into our mouths as we sleep on a bed of dot matrix printer paper. Maybe one day we'll escape from the subterranean hell that is this basement and maybe get paid finally. But until that day comes, the city is not going to improve itself. So here we stay, improving things. Mm, this meeting is now in session. Hello. Oh, hello. How are you doing, sir? Good. I've been uh, I've been under this blanket with uh, with this stick for the last while. Mm, beating off the hordes. The hordes and, and the COVIDs. Mm-hmm. Smart. It's got, it's got very fine point. It's got nails, actually. Uh, nail through it. So I can, like, hit the really small molecules. Yeah. And I like how you wrote Fauci ouchie yeah. on it. That's right. Well, in lieu, of, like, in lieu of being vaccinated, because it's hard to get vaccinated when you're locked in a basement. Um that's uh, that's that's my Fauci OG is mm-hmm. a board with a nail through it. Yep. Well, vaccinations are so dangerous. Yes. Um, like we don't we don't know about this experimental gene therapy. Exactly, but we know about boards with nails through them. Exactly. Yeah, I put my ask me. I put my faith in a board with a nail through it every time. Me too. I my dad taught me actually if something is coming to kill you. Hit it with a board with a nail through it. Exactly. Yeah. And um, and if you're sorry, and if you've got some food, like if you've got a steak and you don't have a fork with you, board with a nail through it. Yeah, it's just common sense. And that's yeah. what that's what I like to go with is common sense. None of these, you know, books and all this newfangled science that they're using. Exactly. So when I go to a rider game. I'm going to take my board with a nail through it and yep. then it'll just be, and if, if any of that coronavirus comes near me, I'm going to use my Saskatchewan common sense and just swing at that stuff. Yep. Yep. Anything that even looks like a coronavirus, I'm just going to take a swing at it, you know, like yeah. big green things with big bulbous green heads. That's pretty, yep. that's pretty virus looking. Yep. Precisely. Any of that, but not until I've had a lot of, like, watery beer. Now that we have our boards with nails through them, we can now, like, share beer with our neighbors. We can stand shoulder to shoulder with our fellow Reginans, knowing that we're safe from the coronavirus. I know. And, like, while we may not, like, be 
more than about, you know, a little over half, you know, way to getting everybody fully vaccinated. Every man, woman, and child in Saskatchewan can have a board with a nail through it. They're cheap that you can make them yourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. None of this relying on, you know, Britain or Switzerland or wherever it is, whatever, whatever like exotic foreign countries they get these vaccines from. Exactly. Uh, and you don't need, you don't need expensive lumber. You just, you just find stuff around your house, like an old bat, table leg. Um, mm-hmm. If you know, for the kids, you, they can have like fit, like rulers with finishing nails, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, you don't want no. the kids handling dangerous, you know, boards with nails. You, you want something appropriate. I feel so much safer. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah. Uh, should we have, should we have a meeting? Because I mean, this, this whole like solution to the COVID problem is no is not official. The meeting hasn't started. Oh, that's right. Yeah, okay. We need that in the record. Um, in the minutes. Okay, well, take attendance. Let's. Okay, first attendee. Uh, e E E Punch Lad. No, no, no. E E E Punch Lad. Uh, the no, I don't. I don't know E E E Punch Lad. Oh, uh, he was. Uh, uh what? Actually, he was uh, from a, it's not a real person. He's from like a, a DC run of comics, very unsuccessful from the uh, from the early eighties. Uh, underwhelming tales. Uh, underwhelming. Like, yeah, in the okay. it was issue number one, and there were no other issues. Uh, e. 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 Punchlad is the son of reasonable man and okay woman. Yeah, and uh, his his superpower was he would punch you, and it would make you think you liked hard seltzer. Wow. What was, did he have like a, a nemesis, like a, a villain that he had to fight? Uh, I think, uh, I think it was Mike's Hard Lemonade Man. Oh yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And uh, that one would, would, would kick you and make you think you liked Mike's Hard Lemonade. Yeah. That's like, that's a horrible crime. I know. I know. So we had to, so E.E. Punchlot had to fight back for, for more, for like, more palatable, but still pretty unnecessary drinks. Did not go over well with the kids. Uh, long tales. I'm sad to hear that. I mean, I think I think he showed up like a, as like in ads, like you know, at the end of comic books for a while. You know, the ones yeah. where you get like you know Michael Jordan or or whoever else showing up to like dunk baskets, and I, th- I think I think I think DC got a little bit of trouble. Yeah, that was an interesting time, though, for DC. You know, they were really pushing the boundaries of the uh, the comics code. Yep. And uh, yeah, all their vertigo stuff and underwhelming tales that uh, it all was like it was too much for the squares at the comics code. Exactly. They couldn't they couldn't handle they couldn't handle the realness. They couldn't handle the dullness. <laughs> the reality of E.E. E. Punch Lad. That's right. And they and they obviously shilling for the you know, alcohol industry. Uh, yeah, which you know really ran counter to their DC's you know intended you know, demographic. Yeah, which was little kids who really should be starting on Mike's Hard Lemonade. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> we we know that That's, it's it's pretty telling that that was the villain, frankly. Yeah, yeah, they, they were they were sued into oblivion actually by Mike's Hard Lemonade. So oh, sad. If the comic had carried on, would he have fought like mm-hmm. um, Peach Schnapps Girl? Might have, yeah. You might have. Kalua lad, beef eater. Kalua lad, beef eater wannabe guy. I don't know. I'd read the hell out of that comic. 
unbearable wine snob dude. You know, all these people. <laughs> and, and of course, the ultimate like bar stool man. Uh, unfortunately, he doesn't seem to be here. No, you are right. He is not. And I think I know why. I think I may have mixed up the letters. Um, hold on. Should be uh, um, Paul Deschen. Oh, that's me. Oh, nice. All right. Um, okay, so you're here. Uh, other attendee is uh, Dignan Aroma. Dignan Aroma? Dignan Aroma. No, definitely no Dignan Aroma here. No, I don't think so either. I don't even have any information about Dignan Aroma. I'm sure whoever he is, he sucks. And smells. And nobody likes him. Yeah. You know, and I've got a little note here. Check out this loser. Doesn't even know how to spell his own name properly. Which makes me think I've mixed up the letters. Uh, so hold on. We have to find out who this loser is. Should be <laughs> Aiden Morgan. <laughs> That's you, sir. Oh man, I'm such a loser. I can't even get the letters right in my own name. You goof. Wow, I, I don't even deserve to be improving this city. No, I, th- I think you do. I think you I do. Think- yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. The, a, a person who can't even spell their own name, that's the kind of person who would really get this city. Mm, I think, I, think uh, I see what you're saying. I think you're right. Okay. I, I, I feel bolstered. Yes. And uh, enervated. And enervated, hey? Mm-hmm. Or, or de-enervated. Right. Okay. Do we, we, we don't have quorum. I'm sorry. Mm. Um, but we do have a bunch of things on the agenda. It's been a while since we've met, actually. Um, it has. Mind you, not a lot has been happening. Council has been very, very quiet. After many uh, very fraught meetings uh, at mm-hmm. City Council, we haven't had one of those in two months. However, just when you thought that things were like, you know, settling into a nice, mellow summer of, you know, get a few things done, Go to the beach. Go outside. Enjoy enjoy the heat wave. Absolutely. Back from your worst memories of city council comes the conversion <laughs> therapy ban. What? What's yes. it? Do- what's it doing here again? It's well. It's here to derail absolutely anything else getting done at city council. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so what happened was, so we, we knew about this. We knew that the conversion therapy uh, ban was supposed to come back in July. So back in on the April 28th meeting, the one that went on for an entire day of uh, homophobes from across North America uh, dialing into Regina to explain why they think conversion therapy or a watered-down version of conversion therapy should continue to be allowed within Regina. At the end of that meeting, Councillor Stevens passed a motion saying, look, we've, we've debated this to death. Let's just make a, let's just make a ban. Everybody agrees that a ban is a good idea for conversion therapy. Come back in July with a conversion therapy ban bylaws. We knew this was coming, but you know, for me, I hadn't heard any rumblings about it. And I always assume, you know, administration's going to take their time. And, you know, who wants to wreck the start of their summer by doing something like this? So I figured it would come at the last possible moment in July or even August. 
And so uh, on the Friday before the council meeting, I downloaded the uh, city council agenda and no surprise for me, there was no conversion therapy ban by law in the agenda. So I thought, phew, good, because there's so much else in this agenda that is worth discussing. And then I got a text from somebody Saturday afternoon saying, oh, my God, I can't believe we have to go through the conversion therapy thing again. And I'm like, <laughs> whatever are you talking about? Well, it turns out that at some point on Saturday afternoon, the agenda for the Wednesday council meeting had changed. And all of a sudden, the conversion therapy ban bylaw was in there. And I've since heard that it was in there on Thursday, but it had just disappeared for some reason in the version that was on the website on Friday. Uh-huh. So I don't know what's going on. Not that I think it really matters all that much because it was supposed to happen anyways. The conversion therapy ban bylaw is coming to council on Wednesday. And so our, actually this meeting will be, we're ahead of that meeting when we make this meeting, but it will actually be broadcast on CJTR after it's all happened. So yeah, we're in a weird position of being in the, past of something like when when people are listening to this we will be in the past of something that's in our future that is mind-blown that's all i have to say yeah so uh anyways maybe we like should wait until it uh is debated to really discuss it in any detail but um i just thought it'd be worth noting that Councillor Stevens asked that the ban that we have in Regina be based on the Saskatoon ban. And damn, uh, administration took that very literally (laughs) to the point where the uh, definition of conversion therapy is literally cut and pasted from Saskatoon's uh, prohibited business bylaw. In fact, both our Both our bylaws are, I think, even named the same, a prohibited business bylaw, for which there is only one business that's prohibited, and it's conversion therapy. Well, you know what they say, if if it ain't broke, don't fix it, which is is also the principle of banning conversion therapies. (laughs) Exactly. Um, The fines are the same, are identical again. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the case of an individual, uh, the fine is $10,000. Uh, for violating the ban on conversion therapy. So if there's proof that you've been doing conversion therapy, $10,000 fine, and uh, another $10,000 fine if you continue to do it after being fined. And if you're a corporation uh, running a conversion therapy business, it's a $25,000 fine. Oh, sorry, and these these fines, if it's a continuing offense, it's a $10,000 fine for each day for which the offense continues and the same $25,000 a day for a corporation that continues to do conversion therapy after the initial fine. So it's a, it's a significant penalty if, uh, if you're doing this. And then uh, the definition, the definition they're using for conversion therapy is very similar. Uh, Well, as I said, the definition is the same between Regina and Saskatoon, uh, but a lot of the language was lifted from bill C6, uh, which was the conversion therapy ban. And uh, the conversion therapy ban at the federal level has stalled out. So that's why it's now sort of uh, urgent that municipalities pass these bans, because the Conservative Party of Canada succeeded in stalling and delaying 
the federal um, the federal agenda, and as a consequence, uh, that when the conversion therapy ban bill C six was passed in the House, it was too late for the Senate to consider it before they went on their summer break. They could have worked through the summer, but they're senators; they're old. They need their time in the sun. My, my worry about banning a bill to ban conversion therapy, though, is that although conversion therapy is ostensibly about trying to convert one's sexual orientation, you know, from from a perceived deviant one to a perceived norm, uh, my worry is that that uh, this will not stop trans people from existing and and using the bathroom. Hang on a second. I am. I yeah. I mean, it, it logically follows that if businesses in Regina are not allowed to forcibly coerce people with a, what is perceived to be a deviant sexual orientation into one that is perceived to be desirable or normative uh, or, you know, or normal, that uh, trans people will pee in, in bathrooms. And I'm very, I'm very concerned that uh, trans people uh, shouldn't pee. Hang on a second. People pee in bathrooms? Yeah. I mean, this was news to me in the first place. But then I realized that not only do people pee in bathrooms, but also trans people can pee in bathrooms. And that, I don't know, man. You know, this is the way the English language is just falling to pieces. It's almost like some people don't want the word deviant to even exist anymore. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, that's. I, I decide. I, I mention this. Uh, my concerns because they are clearly very rational and logical, and it obviously follows. Yeah. If people can't stomp out deviants through underhanded means, like allowing conversion therapy to exist, we're just allowing anarchy. What's What's next? We don't even know. That's the nature of anarchy. <laughs> exactly. It's unpredictable. Yeah. Uh, it's it's downright anarchic. Uh, but I, I just I, I also feel compelled to say, just in case anybody gets the wrong idea, that I approve of a ban of conversion therapy practices and the thinly disguised anti-trans agenda of Turks trying to like stop this from happening is pathetic. Mm-hmm. It was my it was my and it is my hope that what I said. Should, should show up the patheticness of, of that kind of rhetoric. Yep. Uh, oh, just I caught in case on. somebody doesn't get my joke. You know, I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea. That's all. I got your joke. Thank you. That's a tough joke to yes and to, though. Yeah, that is. That is. It's, it's not really designed for like easy and Yeah. But that's the discipline. Well, anyways, I you know I'm just um, here. We are in in the past, looking forward to this conversion therapy debate. Uh, I'm, I'm terrified. This is going to be another eight hour meeting of just wall to wall homophobia. Uh, I've heard, I've heard that city councilors are already receiving messages from uh, homophobic groups from outside Regina who are urging them to, uh, to, you know, not to vote no on the conversion therapy ban. Uh, You know, I don't know how this is going to turn out. I'm hoping that, uh, so there were four counselors who were really bad on this, uh, Brishani, Mole, Fendura, and Shaw. 
Mm-hmm. And they were largely responsible for dragging out the April 28th meeting on this and giving giving those anti-trans, homophobic, pro-conversion therapy uh, delegations as much leash as they wanted to say whatever noxious, noxious bullshit they wanted to say. I'm hoping that they took enough of a drubbing on social media that they won't do this again. But they strike me as stubborn-headed people who will uh, blaze forward uh, I'm told the the order of operations will be the there will be the first two readings of the bylaw, then uh, councillors will get a chance to suggest any amendments, and I suspect we're going to get one from at least Councillor Bershani trying to make uh, to water down the language to make it uh, possible that we can get like conversion therapy light would be allowed under our conversion therapy bylaw, uh, but we'll see. That may not happen. And then all of the delegations and uh, there's going to be a crap ton of them are going to get to speak. And I don't know Mm. for how many minutes or anything, but it could be bad. So. It'll be long. It'll be be horrendous. Yeah. And I guess in this case, it it may have been bad, but we don't know yet. So. Yeah. But yeah, that uh, the, the sad thing about that is that it derails. Uh, I think council is utterly um, naive and ridiculously optimistic to think they're going to get anything else done at that council meeting. So uh, yeah. I'm sure there there will be an overflow council meeting to follow that one, unless there's some like really heroic uh, meeting moderation. Um, but yeah. There is a ton of other stuff on the agenda that's worth talking about. Um, and I will go to that agenda right now. So, for instance, we're getting multi-year budgeting going forward. Yeah. That yeah, was a, yeah, that was approved at executive committee. Uh, only Councillor Hawkins is voting against it. So I think that's pretty much guaranteed to go through. And it means that we'll be getting a budget every two years. There will be a budget meeting every year, but... Uh, in the off years when the budget isn't actually being done, this will be more of a budget update and an opportunity for, um, you know, for, uh, for council to suggest any other, like, you know, adjustments to the budget going forward, if any are needed, but it'll be a much knowing I've, I've spoken to people who work at the city and the budget process is kind of an all encompassing thing. That's, you know, at the beginning of the, at the end of the year, it's, takes up everything and it it uh, but it's it's always there it's always looming over you to so like to stretch it out over two years i think might make it a little less onerous and allow people to do more of their job than just working out what their budget is i don't know do you like what are your thoughts on that because councillor hawkins made a very very strong argument for why you know we shouldn't do multi-year budgeting i'm no economist but let's make clear i'm not an economist i'm not a politician I'm not, you know, I don't really work with budgets. I don't really know much about numbers or math. But I think multi-year budgeting, actually, I think it's a good thing. I, I think it has great potential. I like the idea that you're actually planning a little farther ahead. I, yep. I, I just, the problem with yearly budgets is that you're always stuck within that, that short time frame. Yep. Uh, and that just over the hill is like, by the time you plan something out, you're all you're already anticipating like a rebudgeting just, you know, months away. But in this, this way, you can see you have more time to see the effects and, and, and the decisions that you've made. 
you know, and then and then you can, you know, it'll help you plan better. Now, a bunch of you know five-year plans, a la you know the Soviet Union. I don't think that's I don't think that's useful, but a two-year budget, I think, is a good time frame for planning. Yeah. It's funny you should mention five years, though, because we actually already do multi-year budgeting on our capital budget. And oh, that's, yeah. yeah, and that's a five-year plan. It gets, there's an update every year, um, and, you know, they can tweak it uh, every year at budget time. Right. But, uh, yeah, they're planning the budgets five years in advance for the capital, on the capital side, which I guess they have to do for, you know, planning to make these, like, massive purchases and, you know, ramping up uh, tar production. I don't know what we do, stuff like that. Making tractors. Right. You, we have to like procure our skid steers far in advance so we have enough. Precisely. Yeah. Would hate to be caught short on skid steers in here. I, I, me too. I mean, that's why I try to keep myself like just drowning in skid steers. Me too. Yes. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, you're, you're in this you know, basement room with me. So yeah, yeah. you too are dealing with all these skid steers just cluttering the place. Oh, I use them for everything. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're, they're so, like, they're so useful. I cook with them. I, mm -hmm. uh, I shuffle paper with them. I type oh, nice. with them. I, uh, I, I, I staple them together and, and wear them when my clothes, you know, back in the 90s when my clothes began to like sort of fall apart. It's a, it's, a, it's a very industrial look, but, you know, it's, it's daring. And it's, daring. It, it's, it's timeless. It really is. And it covers you completely. And yeah. pretty much from the early 20th century onward, great fashion choice. Yep. You can never go wrong with skid steers. That's, that's what they say. That's what the commercials all say. Anyways, on that note, uh, before we carry on and look at some more things that are coming up at City Council and elsewhere... Uh, we have to move on to innovative revenue tools. And I have an innovative revenue tool if you don't have one. Oh, I, um, I actually do have one innovative revenue tool. Okay, what's yours? Mine is the CGATR virtual bottle drive. Oh, so we're having a bottle drive. Yeah, you got to check the CGATR social media on Instagram or Twitter or, and Facebook or visit CGATR.ca. Arrange for one of uh, our volunteers to pick up your recycling or... You can hire yourself down to Sarcan and uh, tell them you're donating your refund to CJTR, and all proceeds will go towards the continued operation of 91.3 FM CJTR or Johnny Community Radio, tuned into the community. Do you like hearing us talk? Then get your bottles over to CJTR. Uh, that that was a really good innovative revenue tool. Yeah, uh, it had its moments well it's you know it's great because it supports community radio and uh, mm -hmm. it supports our show and uh so that makes me feel kind of like you know a selfish bum for the innovative revenue tool i had i, I was i was just going to sell your skid steers do not well okay if there's a cut of the profits i mean oh you can have that for sure well on that note let's go on to the pre-recorded innovative revenue tools The Queen City Improvement Bureau would like to acknowledge the Regina Warehouse Business Improvement District for their support of our show. The Regina Warehouse Business Improvement District. Improving the district where there are warehouses in Regina. We're back from Innovative Revenue Tools. We are. And uh, what, what fine, fine revenue tools 
Zewer. But I, I should also mention that we have uh, we've got a new feature going on at uh, Queen City Improvement Bureau. Excellent. Uh, we've got we've got our uh, our infrastructure tunes, our infrastructure playlist uh, created by uh, Schmutzy and and generously donated to to the QCIB. Uh, and this week's infrastructure song is Death Cab for Cuties Gold. That was great. Thank you very much, Mutsi. Thank you. For that whole playlist. Also, we should thank the uh, the uh, Redondo Warehouse Business Improvement District. We, yes. we wouldn't have any food at all down here in the basement if it were not for them dropping stuff through the vents. It's very charitable of them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Of course, all the, all the real money goes to CJTR, but that's okay. That's where the real yeah. money is. Community radio. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. So... Uh, there was more coming up. Okay, this is longer term, but it's all interconnected. It's a web, a web of development craziness has been going on. Um, I may have mentioned this to you before, but I have this suspicion that Councillor Brashani really hates high density development. Ugh. This whole up at night going, oh, high density. People are too close to me. <laughs> I can't stand it. The stink of humanity is on me. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I've suspected because she's made comments about, uh, you know, the the, cl- the houses are too close together. There's too many people per per hectare going on. And Councillor Hawkins, a couple of years ago when they were debating uh, single family detached house zoning, uh, had this like wonderfully, you know, rhapsodic speech about uh, the wonders of owning your own house. And barbecuing and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. I loved it. I totally disagreed with it, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. Of course. Well, it's come up again in two forms. There is a development in the Southeast of the city called the towns, and this is land that the city owns. And we bought this from the province for like n- next to nothing in the land game. Um, Suckers. Yeah. It's like we were playing Monopoly and we drew a card from the community chest and it said, here, take the entire Southeast quadrant of the board for $4. That's what it was like. It was a great deal. And so we've, we've hired a developer to sell that land off and uh, turn it into the town's neighborhood. And the, the neighborhood plan uh, for the town's passed back in 2016, I think it was. And uh, it, was, it was the first, I don't know, it was the first community, but it was like one of the first communities that uh, had its neighborhood plan passed after we had completed the official community plan. So it was supposed to be the most sort of uh, complete expression of the official community plan, especially since, you know, the city arguably was guiding this project. And we've, over the years, we've had like adjustments to it and it's changed over time uh, slightly. But yeah, they're developing this land and uh, all the profits from this development are going to go into uh, housing and social development projects for the city. Yeah. 
So now we don't actually, for some reason, and I don't know how this works because I'm not a land guy. I, my only experience is playing Monopoly and land grab. <laughs> but uh, for some reason, we're not actually going to get to touch any of that sweet Southeast lands money until the project is done until like it's all finished being built out and all the land is sold. I don't know why, but that's how apparently it works when you're a big time money guy, land wheeler, dealer, dude, that's how it works. But someday we're going to have like many millions of dollars that we can invest in social development stuff, which is awesome. Um, but there've been some hiccups. We've, there was, there've been some stretches where they weren't so profitable with the uh, land that they were selling. Um, but that's, that's recovering. But for some reason they had like a downturn year and they decided let's change everything. Let's fix everything so that we're making more money off of the Southeast. <laughs> and so that report came to is coming to council this week and it came to planning commission last week. Um, sorry, not planning. Oh, it came to planning commission and executive committee. Sorry. So it came, it, there were two reports about the towns. And so they revamped the official community plan uh, and it's kind of problematic uh, and it's problematic on both sides. Um, on the one hand, they are slightly increasing the urban density. So there's going to be more people living there, but they're doing this by taking out some roads and taking out a park. So there's more saleable land. The idea being that it'll be more profitable if we can cram more people in there. I guess. Okay. Well, I'm not a huge fan of taking green space. And like they say they're going to like have this. This is like the South towns that they're talking about, that they're going to move the parks that they're taking out further north in development, which will come later on in the development of the neighborhood. Uh, my issue with it is that the old town's plan had kind of a grid structure to the streets, which meant it was very uh, like uh, traffic had multiple routes that they could follow. Cyclists had multiple routes. It was much closer to what you would see in the Crescents or not the Crescent, sorry, in Cathedral. They're taking out a lot of those cross streets right. and going into like they have more of a feeder road, uh, collector street structure, much more sort of traditional suburban design which I think is problematic because it means uh, cars have to travel slightly farther, which, you know, in aggregate means a lot more kilometers driven in the city, which is terrible for the climate, mm -hmm. terrible for emissions. Uh, also, when you have these feeder roads going into collector roads, uh, you get traffic because you have like all of these people who are trying to get, you know, during uh, the two rush hours during the day are trying to like get onto these feeder roads and that slows right. everything down. And, you know, I always, I like a good you to drivers like adding traffic to the system but at the same time it means that you have cars idling you have cars driving farther so environmentally it doesn't really make a lot of sense the only way it makes sense is that you get this where there used to be streets you're now going to have houses uh, councillors hawkins and brashani and shaw really object to the fact that the towns is going to be so dense um the sort of like average target for urban density that the city is shooting for is 50 people per hectare, which is not, it's not like, I don't know, um, Malta dense or Mexico city dense. It's a very, very reasonable density. Uh, and it's only uh, the, the, the original community plan for Regina had 40 people per hectare. So it's really only a 25% increase from that. Um, it's very, very reasonable density. But as far as Councillor Hawkins is concerned, this is an outrage. Um, 
the uh, the issue uh, for Council Bershani is that she she thinks that there's too much density across the board, and she wants to see that entire element uh, in the official community plan revisited. So I actually have I've pulled a clip here of Councillor Hawkins talking about this uh, that um, I just really enjoyed because it's Councillor Hawkins talking about something he's passionate about, and uh, I thought I'd play it for you if you're okay with that. Sure, I'm okay with that. Uh, thank you very much. In 1958, John Kenneth Galbraith wrote uh, a definitive book called The Affluent Society. And the theme of that book was that unlike the prevailing idea that demand produced supply, in fact, supply produces demand. One of the reasons that uh, we have gone to smaller lots is because developers uh, can make more profit selling smaller lots than they could make selling bigger lots. And so developers uh, presented concept plans and then amended concept plans to increase their profit. And that's what's going on here. The city, in fact, is a developer, and it's acting like a typical developer. Councillor Bresciani is exactly correct when she said, where's the calculation for quality of life? And the difficulty is it's hard to put a number on quality of life, and it's easy to put a number on profit. When we, as councillors, take off the development hat and look at the well-being of our community hat, we have to take quality of life seriously. I appreciate Councillor Andrews' point that uh, uh, he lives on a smaller lot. It's a lovely older neighborhood, has a number of compensating characteristics. But it doesn't mean that we should, as councillors, considering the quality of life of our citizens, do what we did in Harbour Landing, which was when the downturn in the economy came in 2008, we took a concept plan that was wonderful, and turned it into a concept plan that was very weak uh, because it was too dense. So we have so the axiom, the the mantra that um, uh, urban sprawl is bad, that density is good, really needs another rethink. And it needs another rethink in an area like Regina. We're not Vancouver. We're not hemmed in by mountains. We do have a large supply of land. All right, that was uh, Councillor Hawkins uh, speaking at Executive Committee on July 7th, and we're the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 FM CJTR tuned into the community. I just got to say, the moxie of Councillor Hawkins to be quoting <laughs> economists like John Kenneth Galbraith, that, that there's some stones to be doing that <laughs> at a council meeting. You know, I, I, I get what he's saying. I mean, I, I understand his, his line of thinking. There, there are certain assumptions, though, in equating the size of a lot with one's quality of life. And I'm not entirely sure when he says that, oh, there's compensating features in the cathedral neighborhood. Uh, and I think those compensating features involve everything else about urban planning that makes cathedral neighborhood attractive, but that but which, which suburban style development completely ignores. So maybe, just maybe, instead of instead of saying instead of making weird 
life assumptions about, you know, just equating big lots with quality of life, which is, ooh, it's, there are certain people that, 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 that I think when people say that, they have certain people in mind. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're white people, it's, mm-hmm. you know, pretty much. You know, this, this that image of white suburban people. I think, I think the, the rethink isn't that density is bad. It's that everything else is bad. And density is not the problem. It's like you say, it's the feeder and collector style, the, you know, the way they almost always make, you know, amenities like farther than walking distance uh, and so on and so forth. Yeah, and I think, yeah, that's, and, and, I, and I think that maybe Hawkins may not automatically think that, but, he, but other counselors may sort of think that more, if not consciously, uh, certainly that's what they have in mind. Uh, I 100% agree with you on all of that. The, the the part of this that I'm a little bit concerned about is that at this council meeting on Wednesday, there's also going to be a notice of motion by Councillor Brishani, and it's co-signed by Councillor Hawkins and by Councillor Mole, and it's asking administration to take a look at the density targets. And the implication is very much that they want to see lower density. They're use they're misusing they're really misusing language from the official community plan to say that we have to offer, that we have to use, uh, we have to offer a variety of different ho- housing styles to justify that we need to provide more space for large lots and uh, lower density developments. That we already have also, talking- Also, maybe, I was also gonna say, maybe if housing these days wasn't so expensive as well. Yes. I mean, why, why insist on large lots when you're just gonna make a whole bunch of like ultra expensive homes? 100%. And that's why we're here. Hawkins wasn't there at the time, but uh, Harbor Landing, uh, the reason it's uh, so dense and so gibbled in a design is that uh, there was the official community plan passed back in 2000, the neighborhood plan for Harbor Landing was passed in 2006, 2007, I believe. Uh, It had a much lower density development imagined. And over the years, uh, it was called Dundee at the time. It's Dream Now. They couldn't sell those lots because they were too, nobody could afford the houses. They were too big. And as uh, Paul Moraz, the land development officer for the city, pointed out at this executive committee meeting, you used to be able to buy a 50 foot lot for $50,000. And now a 50 foot lot is over $200,000. Like, you know, so going to the 20 foot, 25 foot lots is something that they had to do to make houses affordable to people who, who wanted to buy houses. And Councillor Hawkins doesn't know what it's like to be Gen X, millennial, Gen Y. He doesn't know what it's like to be trying to get into the housing market uh, the way the economy is right now. And yeah, I think he has a very rosy view. I mean, as we, as he said before, with that speech he gave a while ago about like, you know, the glories painting this idyll of, of families, you know, barbecuing on these gigantic lots. Um, yeah, he's he's a little he's a little off the mark here. Yeah, yeah, I like John Kenneth Galbraith as much as the next pretentious white man, but Ooh, um, he uh, he's he's a baby boomer, right? Like he he's talking about a, a, an economic reality that hasn't existed for fifty years. So I, I don't know that his his talking about the affluent society applies to now. <laughs> no. And Harbor Landing, uh, it was the developers, it was the market speaking and saying, the developers saying, we can't sell these lots 
And so they changed the official community, or sorry, the neighborhood plan for Harbor Landing on the fly. And they didn't change the roads. They didn't change the services. They didn't increase the number of schools. They just increased the density. So it was a total failure of all that stuff you said, of all of the other services and infrastructure was just not built for that density. And that's not the density's fault. That's... um, that's everything else's fault. It's our zoning. It's our urban planning. So I think he's identifying a solution for a problem that was caused by something else. And I also think, you know, it's pretty freaking hilarious. Councillor Hawkins ran for the SASC party to be an MLA. Um, he has on many occasions been sort of like, you know, the, the more conservative councillor. He's changing over time he's 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 gotten much more open and uh uh you know he thinks deeper on a lot of things than he did in the beginning but here he is basically advocating for socialism and um uh you know like social uh, social control over how we develop so that people can have like quality of life through big lots it's he he's he's weirdly sort of like trying to undermine the whole notion of uh you know markets and capitalism uh in the yeah, service yeah. of these big lots for rich people which is this is who they're who, this is who's driving this agenda it's not it's not you know immigrant families indigenous families uh students or young young families who are trying to buy their first house yeah, so they yeah they yeah they may be I, i'd like I'd, I'd like to ask councilor hawkins where the their quality of life will come from yeah here you go, quality of life. Oh, you can't afford it? What does that mean? Well, I guess you have to work harder. Yeah. I, I don't know what the, what the answer would be. Come, back, come yeah. back tomorrow. Come back next year. Yeah, and I mean, like... Until you're 70. And, and I'm concerned because there's, with three people signing on to this increased density motion, that's getting perilously close to that just passing. So we already have Mole, Hawkins, Prashani. Shaw has signaled that she's she likes big lots and she cannot lie. <laughs> um, so that's four. Uh, I suspect Fendura will vote. That's five. So that's pretty much guaranteed to pass at that point if Masters or Mancinelli. Now, Mancinelli, at the end of the meeting, he was like, he was 100% down with higher density. So I think he's going to be skeptical of this motion. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is good. And I think he'll be skeptical of the town's plan. I was frustrated by how the, the fact that we need to curb urban sprawl, not just because it's cheaper for the city and a more efficient way to develop, but it's also the way that we save ourselves from death by climate change. That didn't come up once in this discussion. And I hope that it comes up when Brashani's motion about density uh, is discussed, but the car-centric, sprawled city is like the most egregious act of social engineering that's been committed in the last two, three centuries. And it's one of the reasons that we are facing the heat wave that we're facing right now and mm-hmm. that people are dying in BC. Like climate change is a direct result of us having to drive, you know, for, out, for an hour between our job and our home and an hour yeah. between our home and our grocery store. Exactly. Anyways, yeah, so that's frustrating. And then, unfortunately, this probably won't get discussed on Wednesday because conversion therapy will derail all of this. But. Because that's the really, because that's the important thing. Not, yes. not climate change, but, but entertaining homophobes. That's what we want. And they are so entertaining. 
<laughs> yeah, why, why aren't they charging us like Netflix streaming prices to listen to them blather on? That's how entertaining they are. Yeah. $15.99 a month to listen to some jerk whine about trans people. That's, that's what I'll put my money towards. I don't know. Great way to spend a summer. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we are just about out of time here at the Queen City. All right. Well, then should we, uh, should we move to adjourn? I think we should. All right. Well, in that case, I'll second that motion, and it is passed. You've been listening to the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 FM, CJTR, Regina Community Radio, tuned into the community. Our hosts are Paul DeShen and me, Aiden Morgan. Music by Ryan Hill, a.k.a. Guidewire, and, of course, our infrastructure playlist, a feature from Schmutzy. Uh, what's what up? Uh, you can find us, cjtr.ca slash podcasts. Also on our website, uh, queencityinfrastructure.com, and on Twitter, Queen City ID. Uh, yeah, we're broadcast 7 to 8 p.m. on Thursday evenings and rebroadcast Monday afternoons from 3 to 4 p.m. Coming up next, we have, I believe, the Nerdcore Cabaret, followed by music and music and music and music. World without end. Amen. Stay classy, guys.